You know, when you talk about the Thunder, the MVP market clearly respects that team as well. Jokic is a decent favorite to win MVP again this year over Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, we know over the course of history in the NBA, there have been certain guys that you just know could win MVP every year if you really wanted to vote for him every year. We know there's voter fatigue or next guy up, and we talk about it all the time on this show. I'm fascinated with the awards market, but Nikola Jokic clearly Looks like an MVP this year. There's a reason why he's the favorite. Do you think that he wins another MVP when it's all said and done? I think it's his to lose. I mean, there's certainly a scenario where if the Nuggets decide to rest him down the stretch, and I think that did impact things a little bit. You, you mentioned the fatigue. I, I think that was absolutely part of it. Uh, and and there, were, there were people out there in, in, in the NBA community that weren't quite ready to give Nikola Jokic a third MVP, and that would be three in a row. Uh, yeah, and so, again, it, Joel Embiid had a tremendous season. I, I think he did deserve to be in that conversation. But Nikola Jokic was actually putting up almost better numbers than the previous year, last year. But they did rest him down the stretch. And, and I think the combination of those things uh, ultimately went to Joel Embiid. This year, yeah, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is just an unreal talent. And he will be in that conversation. But there is nobody affecting the game like Nikola Jokic right now. Uh, and you see the way they've come out of the all-star break, um, just triple-double after every single night. They're making a statement right now. They went into the break on a three-game slide. People were like, all right, are they really bored? Is is this a team that can sort of sustain and just at least have home court in the first round? And they came out on fire. They've won every game except for last night in double digits. And now you got MPJ really doing his thing. AG's been great the entire time. So uh, as long as, again, health remains, I think this team uh, just—they just—they just know who they are, and that—that's a very dangerous thing for everybody else. Yeah, I was looking at some of the things that uh, just the analytics on the Denver Nuggets, and they're not top eight in almost any statistical category until you start looking at you know their top seven, top eight guys. It feels like Michael Malone is fine to to play maybe less effective players or rotations that aren't as meaningful in the regular season. But when you look at what we're going to see in the playoffs, I think that they're a monster offensively. Um, What do you think the strategy is to keep those guys from getting worn out, like you said, was a possibility down the stretch last year? Yeah, it was was interesting, and and it got tested a little bit uh, last year when, I mean, Michael Malone stuck to an eight-man rotation. He just did not – he did a mess with it in the postseason. Uh, and he, he said going into that, he's, he's going to try uh, to give these guys breaks where possible. But I, I would not be surprised if, uh, once again, we get to the postseason and he's just going to say, listen, you're our max players. You're our star players. I got to play you. We, we, we need to, to take this just as seriously. Everybody's going to be give us, giving us their best shot because you're the defending champions. And they've had that mindset for a while. I, I think it, it was startling for, the, you know, for a lot of the young players on this team to have that target on their back coming into this year. And I think there, there's been a, some adjustment moments in the season. But I, I think they've kind of figured that out now about what they're going to get night in, night out. And, uh, again, I think, I think some of those trials and tribulations this year have ultimately led them to a place where they're, they're comfortable being in their own skin and comfortable with teams coming after them. So I, I think we're going to get back to that eight-man rotation as the postseason starts. But, yeah, you might see some weird lineups o- over the next couple weeks. Talking to Ryan Edwards, BetMGM tonight. Uh, 
the other side of the Denver uh, sports landscape that is, well, it's it's intriguing in its own way, and it's who the hell is the quarterback going to be for the Denver Broncos? Because I think at this point now we know it's not going to be Russell Wilson. The writing's on the wall there. Does this end up being a situation where they just release him? And do they go after a quarterback in the draft? Maybe maybe try and trade up because this could be a wild draft, man. Yeah, it really could. And, I mean, we're, we're, of course, that's dominating. I mean, the Nuggets are the defending champions. We talk a lot of Nuggets, but – uh, the quarterback is always going to be the, the biggest story, right? I mean, it just it just is. So, yes, yes they're going to release Russell Wilson. Uh, I, I, there's just nobody that's going to take on that contract in a trade. He has a no trade clause. It, it just it, if it comes together, it's going to be because the the Broncos are are covering a lot of it. They may even have to send draft picks, a la the Brock Osweiler trade from Houston to Cleveland several years ago. So. It's just a bad situation. It's going to go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. It's going to be the worst dead cap hit in the history of the NFL. I mean, this it's going to be a bad divorce. Uh, but but eventually the Broncos will move on from Russell Wilson. And then, yeah, it's, it's turning turning the page from there. And they're they're up against it with a salary cap. Right now they're about $14 million over, so they, they certainly have some adjustments to make. But those are relatively easy. But the biggest adjustment is, okay, well – if you're paying Russell Wilson that kind of money, um, because they're already guaranteed around $39 million this year, and this, they, they can post June 1 this, but it's still going to be $85 million dead over two years. And uh, you still got to find another quarterback. And they have Jared Stidham on the roster right now, but that, that's not inspiring anybody. So you, you got to bring somebody else in. They're picking 12th, which is a little bit no man's land. So they, as an organization, have to kind of take a look in the mirror here. Are, are we being aggressive? We're going up after a quarterback, or are we trading back and, and basically trying to put ourselves in position to get our quarterback next year? Uh, it's going to be really fascinating, and it kind of all starts next week. No, no doubt, because that's when they need to make the Russell Wilson decision. Who would be the quarterback that the Broncos, outside of, say, Caleb Williams, because that's nonsense. There's just no chance for that. But who would be the best fit that the Broncos would want to go after if they were to get a quarterback in this year's draft? Well, Sean Payton has uh, – he, he's, he's made no bones about it. He really wants a quarterback that can operate from the pocket. And, and that makes sense, right? I mean, Drew Brees for so many years. Uh, yeah, some athleticism there. But uh, what we know about Drew Brees is he was able to to hang in the pocket and, and really dissect you from there. And, and Sean Payton is looking for a quarterback that can do the same thing. So – uh, I think you have to start there if you're going looking at the rookie class, J.J. McCarthy, Drake May. Uh, those are two of the top quarterbacks, uh, in my opinion, that, that could fit that. I think Bo Nix is a very hyper-accurate quarterback. Maybe you can get him in day in, on day two. Um, I, I think those are the quarterbacks that you sort of start with and say, okay, well, if Sean Payton falls in love with one of these quarterbacks, then can they position themselves to go get them? The problem for the Broncos, of course, is they are once again limited on draft capital. Yes, they're picking 12th overall, but then their next pick is into the third round. And then they have a smattering of, of day three picks, a total of six in all. So they don't really have <laughs> excuse me, a ton of capital right now to just say, whatever we want to do, we can go get whoever we want. That's not the case. They're going to have to pick and choose. Now they can go into next year's draft. They can go into the year after draft if they want to do those kinds of things 
but they're coming off of a couple of years of, of lean drafts because of the Russell Wilson trade and the Sean Payton trade because they had to trade a first-rounder for him. And, again, so you're limited on draft capital, and the options are, are pretty slim. I, I don't know what they're thinking right now, but um, they, they also have to keep pace in the AFC West that suddenly uh, has a back-to-back champion uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chargers just got better because they got a new coach. So uh, all those things are, are factoring in, and I think a lot of people are kind of looking at the Broncos and saying, all right, you want to move on from Russell Wilson? That's your prerogative. What's the plan? Got about a minute left here, Ryan. Uh, Bo Nix, by the way, the Broncos are the favorites to draft Bo Nix right now, one board that I'm looking at here. Uh, you paint a picture, though, for the Broncos of an offseason that might be maybe kind of quiet because they just, I mean, there's just not a lot of movement for them, is there? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they already said, because last year they spent more than anybody else in free agency, and they already said they're not going to be major players this year, and and partly because of their their salary cap, and they they do want to bring back some of their own players. So yeah, the, the, it, it's a weird deal. Like I said, you see the Chiefs winning back to back Super Bowls, the, the Chargers get better with uh, Jim Harbaugh, and the Raiders uh, they're they're settling on a direction with Antonio Pierce. We'll see if that works or not. But it's not like it's a division that all of a sudden just fell apart and they can they can coast for a little bit. It's the opposite. Uh, they're they're chasing. They've been chasing. Uh, but uh, that that being said, um, maybe that is their best strategy. Maybe one year of of trying to rebuild a little bit and 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 really slingshot forward next year is the play. But um, the fan base is very very restless because we're now eight years uh, missing the postseason, and this is the longest stretch in franchise history. So uh, a plan needs to come together pretty quick, one way or the other. Yeah, how about Sean Payton leaving one team in cap hell to go to another team that's now in cap hell? Ryan Edwards, <laughs> KOA Sports in Denver. Great to talk to you, man. Thanks for the time. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you're the Broncos, the Russell Wilson thing doesn't work out, you're screwed. Well, guess what? Didn't work out. Now you're screwed. It's Pet MGM tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL.